With more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiling. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, not too long ago, <clears throat> video surfaced of a uh, Seattle police officer um, taking down, I guess is the right way to put it, a guy with an axe, an axe-wielding man walking up and down the sidewalk of a Seattle neighborhood. Um, he had an open field tackle that, you know, I think probably his colleagues were like, no, 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 no don't do that, because they thought he was going to get himself injured with this axe. Uh, he took him down, should have been on Sports Center. should have had a commendation letter, should have had all kinds, of, but instead he faced some sort of supervisory um, disciplinary action, we'll put it that way. Um, I, in the way I read it, it looks to me like in finger quotes in the air, this supervisor had an axe to grind with this cop. This was this was supervisory vengeance uh, enacted because it was caught on body camera. Um, you, use of force doesn't look pretty, and when you when you tackle someone on a sidewalk, it's not going to look nice. But you know, he was he was told that he hadn't de-escalated the situation. Well, I think that taking that guy down to the sidewalk and getting him in handcuffs is the very definition of de-escalation. Nobody was hurt. No gun. No gunshots were fired. Uh, yeah, the, the guy got hooked up and put in the back of a squad car, got taken to jail for stealing an axe from an REI store, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think there there seems to be a trend towards this. Uh, we can get in the whole issue of retaliation for a numerous myriad events, but uh, recently there was another high-profile incident. I can't recall exactly which one it was, but... Um, there were charges filed against two officers for self-deploying to uh, an incident and not going out over the radio to let uh, dispatch or supervisors know that they were going. So in, in those instances, I think the strategy of management is to say, look, we really, really, really mean it. Uh, when we say de-escalation, hold the fort until you get back up, wait until less lethal arrives. Um, and I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that uh, in, in order to make sure that policies are followed, sometimes these sort of actions have to happen. And it, it, the justification would be, what if the flip side happened? What mm -hmm. if the officer puts his head down, rushes the guy and takes an ax on top of his head? Right, and I think you're you're seeing more and more jurisdictions, um, especially civilian review boards and uh, uh, professional standards units, looking at uh, de-escalation or the officer's actions just prior to an officer-involved shooting. What led up to the shooting, mm -hmm. and if it's bad tactics, I would expect more of those to backfire—no pun intended—but to backfire on the officers who don't follow their own department mm -hmm. policy. Mm -hmm. There's a more extreme incident that uh, really very recently happened, and it, I find it staggering. Now, of course, we know that a sheriff's department is a different kettle of fish. They're, sure, they're, they're elected. Whole, they're elected. So, right. I mean, they can do, and they have, they have wide berth on disciplinary action. But this one's comical. A uh, place in, in South Dakota, I think, 
The sheriff, one minute, and the standing sheriff, one minute after he was found to be um, defeated in an election mm-hmm. um, by his deputy, fired said deputy. So the deputy is now going to become the sheriff in January. Right. But from June to till January, he's out of a job. Which, right. I mean, you, you go, what? I mean, seriously, Peterson, that's dis- that's disciplinary vengeance right there. That's and there crazy. was no reason, no rationale given? None that I could find. None that I could see. So, so what the image is that the countdown for the ballots are coming in and his, his finger fingers on the button yeah. is hovering over the button, the right. fire button. Right. Wow, it, um, you know, and, and there's it, recourse. I mean, if that's the only thing, and and if you're an at will, unless he's an at will employee in a management position that is exempt from other labor laws, I I think the the, the deputy soon to be sheriff who got fired has uh, some recourse through state and federal EEOC laws. Yeah. Uh, labor laws certainly there's their own union available to come to his defense um yeah i think in california we have a police officer's bill of rights i don't think it would allow for that kind of action to happen right Um, and this is a still kind of developing thing it's we're recording this podcast literally two days after that happened yeah so by the time this podcast is aired on on the website it may have been resolved already but it's happened before it's (laughs) happened before uh that uh we we record a podcast and three weeks later it appears and something has changed um but you know i use that as an illustration because it is so comical yeah it is so completely absurd uh but there are so many of these complaints against police officers uh, and disciplinary actions then they're taken after you know the complaint is made right and found to be not really a complainable offense right and so and you have then an arbitrator goes back and the union guy goes back and says hey my guy had two days off without pay he should get paid for that it creates this big circle of circle of life if you will. Right. right no but i i think that you know, you really have to know the facts before you you pick a side. I know recently um, there was a case with where an officer was found uh, guilty uh, by trial, and and I don't know if it's fake news or a joke, but there's a uh, somebody sent me a cover of a, a book that allegedly this individual is writing that says um, confessions of a um, framed cop, and I know. Uh, but from what I know, the individual was definitely not framed. So there are two sides to every story. Sure. Uh, police officers' bill of rights protect administrative uh, investigations from the public. So mm-hmm. you're not going to see the sheriff or a chief come out and say, hey, these are the reasons why the person's being disciplined, because uh, divulging that information is against the law. Mm-hmm. So. Um, a lot of times we only see one one side of the story, one version. Right. And I and I want to investigate the other side of this coin, which is, and it's been my belief for many years that most, 99% of all cops are great cops. 99% of priests and pilots and teachers are probably good at their job. They should be doing their job. I'd like to believe that's true. At least 95%. Let's go there. Yeah. Okay. There's a 5% of everything that you don't want among your ranks. But it's interesting to me. That I think we've seen a bit of a shift in you know the you know the, the protecting the thin blue line kind of thing. Yeah, the ninety five percent want that five percent gone. 
Right. they don't want to have that person in the squad car with them. They don't want to be collateral damage to some dumb stuff that that knucklehead does. It, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I know we've suffered some backlash on some of our topics because people felt we've taken a liberal view. But I... You know, if you say protect the blue line at all costs, even against uh, officers who you know are doing wrong, then, you know, I've got to disagree with you there. Yeah, I, I, and I think that that is becoming more prevalent of a thought. I think maybe it's a, it's, it's a generational thing, maybe, mm. um, holding your colleagues and peers accountable because, and I think this is really the core of it, I don't want you taking me down with you. Sure. Like, I don't want your stuff to make me look bad. Right. You know, and, you know, there's you're going to be videotaped on camera and some, doing some knuckleheaded thing. And the per- perception of the public is that we're all like that. And that's right. just simply not the case. So I think that there's more of an accountability or a, a holding someone to the standard which is, I don't want to say higher standard. It's the standard. It is right. already quite right. high. No, and there's vicarious liability. So I think, right. uh, you know, first line supervisors, sergeants, uh, and then lieutenants mm-hmm. are certainly not going to take a bullet for somebody who's uh, doing wrongdoing. So, yeah. um, you know, there goes my house, my car, my boat. Uh, no thanks. Yeah, no, no. So I think that we're kind of attacking two sides of the same coin. There's, there's what I've term to be supervisory vengeance which is i just don't like that guy so the first time he does something that doesn't look quite perfect i'm gonna pounce on him and i'm gonna give him a couple days off without pay i'm gonna i'm gonna ride his butt from here till the time he decides he wants to work someplace else yeah uh that exists there's no question about that um politics and personal disputes and all that kind of stuff that goes on but there's also the people who deserve have earned disciplinary action and my hope is that those are the only people who are facing time off or facing termination right yeah uh tell us what you think tell us uh your experience with disciplinary vengeance have you been a a victim of it or maybe you're a proprietor um you send us an email to policing matters at police one.com that's policing matters at police one.com thanks again for listening